Today's episode of We Want Blues is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to wewentblues.robinhood.com. That's wewentblues.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.com forward slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome into episode number 32 of We Went Blues, Jeremy Rutherford and Barrett Jackman. And Barrett, it is finally here, All-Star Week. Yeah, it's uh, we've been waiting for this for a long time, and uh, it's finally just a couple days away from uh, all these uh, stars uh, being showcased in uh, in our home city of St. Louis. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be fun, it's going to be busy, but uh, I think everybody, uh, Blues fans, are uh, looking for a break uh, uh, from the season and uh, getting uh, to have the All Star Game right in the backyard is uh, is a pretty cool treat for uh, for any hockey fan. And it's amazing all the work that goes into it, Barrett. I pulled into uh, Enterprise this morning to that's where I'm doing the podcast. All the workers, all the busy people here at the rink. You know, obviously you can't get this thing set up in a day or two. Uh, they're going to be uh, on the ice, in the stands, in the concourse, and in the offices here, uh, working all week. I know uh, you have some in events in store. Tell us what uh, what you have cooking this week. Yeah, uh, tomorrow night actually very uh, very privileged uh, for my son's ten uh, uh, year old hockey team gets to go on the ice. Uh, I think they're actually going to be the uh, the first. Uh, people on the all-star ice and uh, they get to uh, uh, test out the the tracking system for uh, for the all-star game and and potentially for the playoffs so uh, we can have a bunch of uh, kids uh, having some fun doing some scrimmages and uh, some different scenarios to to help out with uh, uh, with the tracking and and the name recognition and and all those type of things and I think they even get to do the uh, fastest skater so uh it's going to be uh, a fun event for uh for my kids uh uh team tomorrow night and and then uh on to the all-star uh luncheon on or the alumni luncheon on thursday uh, afternoon at uh, anheuser-busch and then thursday night with the alumni game uh with some good friends coming in and uh, uh a lot of great names so uh that's just uh, my part in uh in this week and then obviously the skills and and uh and the all-star game as well and we'll set up what we're going to talk about in the podcast in just a minute but you mentioned the tracking system i'm actually uh, working on a story about that i'm going to be uh, interviewing the nhl tomorrow they installed uh, the uh, computer hardware uh, everything that needs to go up in the catwalk uh, earlier this season uh, for this tracking system. Uh, I got to admit, I don't know a ton about it until I talked to the NHL. But for years, you know, the NHL has had all these uh, off-ice officials 
uh, and they track uh, which players are on the ice. That's where you come up with the ice time, the plus minus, uh, so on and so forth. But as technology advances, Barrett, obviously this is going to be all uh, computerized uh, in the future. And so that's what the NHL has been preparing for a number of years now. So these players are actually going to wear these devices that will track all that information. Yeah, and it's going to be some uh, pretty cool uh, things like uh, being able to see, you know, how the distance a guy travels on the ice, uh, you know, kind of their, uh, uh, you know, their different routes uh, that they take, uh, speed and uh, and different things like that. And I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to, to see what uh, it's going to look like tomorrow night. Uh, they're going to have uh, what you're going to see on TV on the scoreboard. And I don't know if they'll start playing this uh, during games as well, but uh, it's going to be uh, yeah, a little bit easier to, to follow for some of the uh, the casual fans. And uh, I think it's going to be very interesting to see different speeds and, and uh, just where guys are on the ice and, and what they're doing. So uh, I, I think it's a great step uh, for the NHL, and uh, I'm very interested to see what uh, uh, it all entails. Yeah, a lot more sophisticated than what uh, the numbers that I mentioned, ice time and so forth. They're going to be able to to show speed and, and everything. And so that'll be uh, interesting for the fans to see. Uh, but that will be a thing of the future in the NHL uh, for all games. And especially uh, it starts in the playoffs, I believe, uh, Barrett. But uh, the All-Star game uh, will be the guinea pig. And, and sounds like your son, Caden, his team will be the guinea pig uh, to get that rolling. That's really cool. Well, hey, uh, we want to talk about the St. Louis Blues first, and then, Barrett, let's have some fun with these polls. Uh, The uh, Athletic NHL put together its annual player poll, and then I followed up today with a uh, Blues-specific poll. But before we get into those, uh, the St. Louis Blues, they did take it on the chin heading into the uh, break, uh, a loss in Colorado. That's their uh, second loss, but still sitting in very good position, second in the league standings, first in the Western Conference with 68 points. We've been talking about it for weeks now, so we probably don't need to beat it to death, but a better uh, uh, schedule leading into the All-Star break as far as uh, the record goes that anyone could have expected, and uh, they should be rested coming away from this eight-day break after the All-Star game, uh, ready to ratchet up again. Yeah, it's a it's a much needed break for uh, for the Blues. They've uh, they've had a pretty uh, pretty tough schedule. They haven't uh, had a, a, a ton of uh, extended uh, home games except for uh, you know uh, you know kind of last week and and I think it was the six games leading up to uh, you know their road trip. But uh, yeah, it, they're uh, they're definitely uh, very excited just to get some time off and uh, get a few days to to rest the mind, rest the body. I'm sure. Uh, a lot of guys are going to come back from wherever they're uh, they're at with uh, maybe a little bit of a tan and uh, just kind of uh, <laughs> letting their body heal up. And uh, you know, after having a couple uh, cocktails and relaxing, they'll uh, uh, get in the gym and and work their butt off to uh, make sure they don't lose anything. But uh, the All Star break is always a, a great time and uh, just, just kind of uh, a mid season uh, break, and the boys uh, are sitting in a pretty good spot in the standings to to come back and uh, and challenge for uh, for a repeat. Yeah, the All Star break obviously has been around uh, forever, uh, but uh, probably towards the tail end of your career, maybe a little bit just after you, they started having that bye week where they kind of extended. So this is a pretty long break. Uh, eight days. It always kind of killed me because <laughs> you'd talk to some of these players and say, uh, would you like to keep playing? And, and some of these guys would say, yeah, you know, we're on a roll, four games in a row we've won. It'd be nice to to keep it going. And then you'd see their tires kind of squeal out of the parking lot <laughs> to get out of here. 
Yeah, uh, it, it's always a great time to get away. Um, whether you're on a roll or you're not, it, it, it's just nice. It's a good break. Uh, when I mean, you get four or five days, and, and now it's even longer that uh, uh, you get some time off to just, you know, relax, enjoy your family for a few days, and, and know that you're going to come back and uh, have a real grueling schedule. But, uh, you know, a lot of guys will, will go somewhere uh, somewhere warm and uh, lay on the beach and, and just not have to worry about uh, uh, going to the rink and, uh, you know, and getting beat on at, at night uh, in those games. So, it's always uh, and and there's always groups of guys that kind of go to, to different spots. A lot of the young guys will kind of get together. Some of the older guys will, you know, maybe be on a family vacation. But uh, the All Star break is uh, is not one that people uh, you know want to miss. <laughs> and good news for the Blues, uh, Barrett, when they do come back, uh, it looks like uh, Colton Pareko. Uh, will be ready to go. I know that's not a guarantee yet. And maybe he could have played one of those last couple games before the break, uh, but the Blues said they wanted him to be 100%. So probably uh, made sense that they kept him out. Upper body injury. Uh, we watched him in practice. Hasn't been taking a lot of heavy shots, so perhaps it's uh, you know shoulder related. Uh, but nonetheless, he'll have about three weeks off when he comes back and, and should be ready to go for the home stretch. Yeah, that's one of those things where you want to manage your players. And, um, you know, sometimes you, you look at uh, – you know, you, you might have three days off, uh, you know, after, uh, you know, a game. And um, so, you know, the management and the coaches would be like, okay, how about we skip that game, uh, you know, right before a three-game break, and it just gives you four days to, to go. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Colton probably could have gutted it out and, and maybe played the last couple games. But uh, it's smarter to have a guy, especially a guy that's that valuable to the team and, and logs a lot of minutes to – you know, get a couple extra days and, and know you get the bye week coming up and, you know, hopefully he's uh, he's 100% and, and instead of coming back at, uh, at 90. And not a ton of information here, Barrett, but we should probably touch on it. Uh, I believe uh, Vladimir Tarasenko posted on his social media that he was skating. I don't know if that's uh, ahead of schedule. Uh, obviously, Tarasenko and that shoulder surgery, they said he wouldn't be ready until possibly the end of the regular season going into the playoffs and upper body injury. So at some point we knew that he would be able to skate. But uh, if you can believe social media, it sounds like number 91 is back on the ice. Yeah, and, and you can't get too excited about that. Uh, shoulder injuries, you usually go out there um, after you, you know, you can't do any damage to the shoulder if you if you fall. And uh, he's not going to be doing, uh, you know, a, a lot. It might just be, you know, some stick handling, maybe uh, uh, just getting the legs moving and, and kind of getting those muscles that, you know, you can't really work out, uh, you know, you can't work the groins too much and, and uh, like you can when you're skating. So it's probably just stretching out the legs and, and getting the feel for the ice again. And uh, I'm sure he's still, uh, you know, three months away from uh, from being game ready. I was going to disagree with you there. I was going to say if I had a shoulder injury and I went out skating, I could totally <laughs> re-injure that. <laughs> well, you'd be running to the boards and, uh, you know, got the old Bambi legs going. I've never seen you skate, and I don't think I ever want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you do. I don't think you do. So the Blues will be back on the ice after the uh, All-Star break. Their first uh, game is on the 27th, January 27th. Uh, that is in Western Canada. They open up in uh, Vancouver, uh, then ho head over to Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got other stuff to talk about, including a couple polls, Barrett. Uh, the Athletic, this is the second year they've put together their annual player poll. And kind of cool 
Uh, we spend a couple months, the individual beat writers going into the locker room and anonymously asking these players uh, their thoughts on the best player, the best referee, uh, dirtiest player, and uh, compile as many players as we can. And uh, this year, I believe we got up over 400. So, you know, of a league that has about 700 players, that's over 50%, a pretty good chunk of the players. So hopefully you get a pretty good feel uh, for who players uh, think are tops in these categories. So I thought I'd go over it with you here, and then we'll get to the Blues poll that I did today. Uh, first question on the player poll, this is NHL. Uh, who is the best player in the game? The winner is Connor McDavid, 63%. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, 17%. Sidney Crosby, 15%. Perhaps that has a little bit to do with uh, Crosby being banged up and out this year. But do you sense any sort of uh, passing of the guard here going from Crosby to McDavid? I think a little bit. I, I think you look the last, you know, four or five years. Uh, uh, Connor McDavid's kind of been thrown in there. His overall skill, his skating, uh, uh, just how electric he is on the ice. He's, you know, he, he kind of reminds you of, of Crosby in his first, uh, you know, probably his fourth, fifth year when he was really dominating the league and. Uh, Connor's doing that. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the team around him that uh, uh, maybe Crosby does, and uh, he might even stand out uh, uh, more if he if he had uh, you know a, a team that was winning more. But uh, Connor really is is kind of the the lone star. Him and Drysaitel and in Edmonton, and uh, he's he's you know he always makes that team uh, team a threat. And uh, you know he, I'm sure he's in on probably fifty or sixty percent of the goals that are scored on that team, and and that makes Makes him uh, a pretty valuable and and definitely a fun uh, player to watch uh, uh, along with uh, Nathan McKinnon too. He's another guy that every time he's got the puck on his stick, he's just so dynamic and so skilled that it's just a uh, it's a better game when you when you see those two uh, types of players on the ice. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and Crosby, since he's come back from the injury, has looked uh, phenomenal. The one thing I'd say maybe the difference in my mind is obviously Crosby has a ton of skill, but he will will you to a win. He will will you uh, to a Stanley Cup. Uh, McDavid probably isn't quite there yet, but perhaps because of the team that he's on. Uh, but when you watch him night in and night out and McKinnon, too, uh, the skill and, and the speed and what they're able to do probably has surpassed uh, Crosby. Uh, it's just Crosby's on a different level when it comes to uh, winning. So uh, question number two, uh, I think we have a goalie here in St. Louis who probably could qualify for this category. Game seven of the Stanley Cup final, aside from your own goalie, can't pick your own guy. Uh, who do you want starting in goal? The winner, 33%. Carey Price, uh, second is Marc-Andre Fleury, 23%. Third, Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, fourth, Tuka Rask. You got to get all the way to fifth, Jax, before you find the guy who did win a game seven last year, Jordan Bennington. Yeah, I think it's more of a uh, you know popularity and and just uh, being more familiar with with Price and Flurry and Vasilevsky and Rask, but uh, Bennington definitely uh, made the case of of being a guy you want in a game seven last year. The way he played in that first period, uh, he really held the Blues in the game and and gave them the opportunity to win. So uh, I think Bennington, uh, the more you see him play, and and you know. And the proof that he's not just a flash in the pan, uh, I think that number is going to rise, uh, you know, very strongly uh, in next year's uh, next year's poll. You've uh, gone against uh, Carey Price uh, a lot in your career. Obviously, a tremendous goalie, uh, one of the best in the world, and probably at one point was the best in the world. But you think that is a little bit of reputation there? 
Uh, definitely. Uh, I, I think he just has that, uh, you know, the calmness. I think the international experience, uh, uh, playing for uh, for Team Canada at the Olympics and and uh, and, and different uh, events. I, I think he's definitely proven himself and uh, has has really carried uh, that uh, Montreal team f- uh, for the last 10, 12 years. And and uh, even when they don't have a strong team, they always seem to, to find a way to get in the playoffs and, and uh, carries the, the type of guy that uh, is going to steal games for you. And, and he's shown that uh, year after year. Third question, who is the most underrated player for the second year in a row? It's Florida's Alexander Barkov. Jax, when I uh, interviewed some Blues anonymously and I threw out his name, uh, because sometimes they ask, uh, who are other guys mentioning? Uh, you know, I say Barkoff, and they say, uh, oh, he's not underrated anymore. <laughs> he's putting up uh, 90 points. But you got his teammate, uh, Jonathan Huberto, second. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom in Washington. Obviously, he's in the shadow of uh, Alex Ovechkin. Uh, Braden Point, I think, is a, is a great one. He comes in at four. And uh, Jarrett Spurgeon, number five. What do you think about Barkoff, and who would be your uh, underrated player? Uh, you know, I I think Barkoff is definitely up there. Uh, but you know, he's playing in Florida, so I think you just don't hear him as much. But he he is an unbelievable player, and uh, has been the last you know four or five years. And and uh, so I I don't think he would be the most underrated player. Uh, Huberto is is coming into his own as an all-star and uh Backstrom he, I don't think you call that guy underrated because he is he is phenomenal and and he has been every year maybe just because he gets overshadowed by uh Ovechkin a little bit with uh with, with the press but uh Braden Point is a young kid that's uh you know really playing really well but um you know Jared Spurgeon on that uh list is uh that, that's a pretty uh pretty good compliment for him but uh, I think a guy that um, is maybe underrated is uh, you know a guy I played with in in Nashville and uh, and and Roman Yossi. He's, he's right yeah. up there with the type of player that Petro is, and uh, I just think uh, you know being in the Midwest and 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 being in the center of the country, I don't think those two guys get uh, the recognition league wide that uh, they should. And I think both those guys should be up for the uh, Norris Trophy this year. Question number four, the dirtiest player in the league. Probably no surprise who wins this one, uh, Brad Marchand. I know over the past couple of years, he's become a more offensive guy, uh, put up 100 points uh, what last year. Um, but uh, he still has that uh, reputation around the league. Tom Wilson uh, comes in second. Uh, obviously, the Blues have had their run-ins with uh, Tom Wilson, particularly in the preseason. Uh, Sonny and some other guys, Robert Thomas, have uh, been victimized by Tom Wilson. A third, a guy we know real close here, uh, Matthew Kachuk, comes in at third. Uh, Radko Gudas is uh, fourth, and Antoine Roussel uh, rounds it out with number five. Thoughts on Brad Marchand? Yeah, he is, uh, he's a little rat. Uh, um, I think you hate him more because he is so good and, uh, you know, licking of faces and, and kissing guys and, and uh, those types of things just kind of uh, rub everybody the wrong way. So I think Marshawn is uh, – uh, I'm surprised he only got 29% of the vote and not more. But, uh, yeah, Tom Wilson uh, – 
you know, big, strong, and, and physical, and, you know, he's, he plays on the edge with his hits, and uh, that's probably why he gets called, the, you know, one of the dirtiest players. Uh, Matthew, I love him to death. He's, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I watched him grow up here in St. Louis and around the locker room, and uh, he's, uh, he's getting up there. I, I'm surprised he's only 11% for, uh, <laughs> for some of these polls, but, uh, um, you know, he, he plays, uh, plays hard, and, uh, is always chirping, so that's why he's uh, uh, he got that eleven percent. Did you envision Matthew being this type of player? I mean, we all know who his dad is, and his dad did some of that stuff, but maybe not to this extent. But uh, did you see Matthew being that much of a pest? Uh, no, not really. Uh, you know, I know Big Walt likes to uh, likes to chirp in the locker room and stuff, but he always kind of brought it on the ice, and uh, you know, Matthew. Uh, he plays with that edge. He's, you know, he's, he shows no respect for the opposition and, and, you know, plays hard. So, um, yeah, you know, maybe the, uh, you know, his, his talking off the ice has uh, got him a little more dislikes uh, around the league. But, um, you know, on the ice, he definitely plays hard and, 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 and plays right to the, uh, to the edge of the line as well. Question number five, Jax, uh, who is the best defensive defenseman? This has got to be a category uh, that you enjoy being that type of guy. Uh, you know, I know this poll was anonymous, but I got to say that uh, a lot of the Blues players picked uh, Colton Pareko. This is one of the categories where uh, you didn't have to pick somebody on another team, so they went with the guy on their team, uh, Colton Pareko. But he doesn't pop up on this poll. Number one, Victor Hedman, 17%. Uh, Shea Weber, a guy you love, uh, comes in at number two. Uh, Ryan McDonough, three. Mark Giordano, four. And uh, Jacob Slavin uh, comes in at number five. So Victor Hedman, everybody likes. He's a Norris Trophy winner. He takes this category. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's so big. He's kind of a Colton Pareko uh, type of demon, just so big. Uh, his skating is is, uh, is awesome. He's he's really good on his edges, uh, uh, and he uses that 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 height and his reach uh, to his advantage. So uh, it would be very frustrating to play against with uh, you know, and just his uh, his reads of the game and his his vision, and his hockey sense. So um, I definitely uh, I love that pick for uh, uh, best def- uh, defensive defenseman, and uh, uh, and he's got the uh, the offensive side of his game as well. So he's. Uh, He's a total package, and and I know, uh, you know, speaking with uh, Coach John Cooper down uh, in Tampa, he he loves this guy and and really feels like he is a, a difference maker uh, on that Tampa team. All right, let's have some fun. Uh, the best referee and the worst referee in the league. Uh, kind of interesting. Our good friend uh, Tim Peel got votes in uh, both categories, which to me that's not a bad thing. That kind of shows that uh, you're doing your job, and there's a lot of guys out there that uh, respect you and. And uh, obviously, you know, players are going to see it uh, both ways. So uh, the winner, the best referee in the league goes to Wes McCauley. Slam dunk, hands down, 71%. He takes it over Kelly Sutherland, Dan Dan O'Halloran, Timmy Peel, and uh, Francois St. Laurent. Yeah, you you know, you look at the uh, the top four on that list, and it's all the older guys. And, uh, you know, read some comments, uh, you know, on this, and it was a – uh, a lot of the players just said that you know it, it's the older guys that have a little bit more respect, a little bit uh, you know sense for the game, and uh, we'll talk to you. And 
Uh, I think the biggest problem with a lot of the younger guys is, uh, you know, it's some arrogance on the ice and, and thinking that they, uh, you know, they're they're controlling the game, which uh, um, kind of is, is a bad thing. And, and uh, you know, the worst referee is, uh, you know, St. Pierre, and he's kind of one of those guys that uh, uh, feels like, you know, the, the game is there for him and uh, he's not there to help the game as much. And he's the winner of the worst referee in the league. Uh, you mentioned it. Justin St. Pierre gets 42% of the vote. Uh, Timmy Peel comes in at number two. Steve Kazari, three. Chris Rooney, four. And Mark Jeanette is uh, number five. Uh, one player, again, anonymously, uh, said that he didn't uh, like the fact that uh, Justin St. Pierre won this thing because he's going to like the fact that he won this award. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, no bad publicity. And uh, I'm sure he definitely loves that his name is being mentioned. And, uh, you know, he doesn't care if it's for the worst ref or not. But uh, or he might even come back and, and be even worse uh, after the break and after seeing this <laughs> poll. But I love, uh, like you said, our good friend Tim Peel. Uh, can't wait to give him shit that he only got 3% for the best. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's 12% uh, uh, for the worst. So that uh, definitely overrides the uh the uh, the good uh, side of it <laughs> question number seven which player not on your own team would you most like to have a beer with before we get to the winner who's would who, who would yours be uh well tj Oshie would be uh there you go my pick but uh now nah, i got uh, i actually just spent a lot of time with uh uh, with Doug Wade over the weekend down in Florida, so uh, I had a real good time with him and uh, one of my favorite teammates ever. And uh, you know, if you went with uh, an old school guy, I think he'd be one of them. But on this list, when you got Ovechkin, Crosby, Thornton, Yandel, and Burns, uh, uh, I, I think I, I might uh, you know want to see Burns and, and see what uh, uh, he's like off the ice. And uh, he always seems like he's having a good time. Him and uh, Jumbo Joe. So. Uh, I definitely pick uh, probably those two guys. <laughs> Ovechkin, 14% is the winner there. He's probably still laying in a fountain somewhere uh, drinking some beers with uh, – oh, that was that was something. All right, let's move on to uh, the next category, outdoor games. There was, of course, was one here in uh, St. Louis at Bush Stadium. It was absolutely terrific. I think outdoor games, it's a case of uh, if they're in your market, they're great. Everybody loves them, but I don't know how many people are tuning in, watching them on TV. So the question was, too many, not enough, just right – and uh, the winner was just right with 58%, too many, 23%, not enough, 19%. Jax, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's just right. I, I think it's uh, it's something pretty special. They got the uh, the stadium series that are, are pretty fun, and it gives some other teams uh, an opportunity to play outdoors. But uh, uh, the Winter Classic is, uh, you know, the, the main one that everybody is, is kind of amped up for. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, what St. Louis did with the alumni game, uh, uh, with the, uh, uh, the showing for that and, and, uh, and the game and just the way that, you know, the whole presentation was put on, I think, uh, uh St. Louis did the, uh, the total package and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, the blues get that, uh, opportunity to play in uh, Minnesota next year as well. Question number nine, and Jax, when I asked this one of the players, do you pay attention to advanced stats? I think it was the quickest response I got out of any of the questions that I asked. It was, nope, 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 nope. It just ran right through the team, and everybody said, uh, nope. Uh, a Pacific Division player was quoted in the story anonymously uh, saying, I don't even pay attention to normal stats. But it seemed like the gist of it from a lot of guys is, look, I know when I'm playing well and when I'm not playing well. Yeah. Um, you know, advanced stats are uh, – 
you know, they're, they're fun to see in, in different, uh, you know, scenarios. And, uh, uh, I'm sure a lot of, uh, you know, readers want to, uh, you know, hear about them and, and see what they actually are. And somebody has to explain them to them. But, uh, I was actually having that conversation with Doug Waite, uh, over the weekend about when they, when you're coaching, if you're, if you're looking at all the uh, analytics and all the stats, and uh, he says, you know, you you take all of it and and you look, uh, uh, you know, you get 15 pages of advanced stats, and you really you, you kind of pick three that uh, that you want to see every day, and and those are the ones that uh, you really believe in. So, um, you know, the players, I don't think they. You know, like you said, they they know when they're playing well and when they're not, and uh, you know maybe the coaches will you know kind of feed them a little bit of the advanced stats, but uh, for the most part, it's uh, you know it's all in how you feel and and what you're doing on the ice and and how you're helping your team, and uh, a lot of the guys can see that without uh, seeing numbers that they have no idea uh, no idea what they they actually mean. Last one with the NHL player Paul Jacks is uh, if you could change one rule, what would it be? You probably won't argue with uh, removing the puck over the glass penalty delay a game. That was number one, 16%. No more offsides challenge at 14%. No shootouts, 5%. Remove the trapezoid, 5%. And lastly, 10-minute OT, uh, 5%. Yeah, um, you know, the puck over the glass, it's uh... – it's a tough one. Um, you know, before it used to be just a uh, uh, intentional puck over the glass, and and that's kind of why they had the penalty. And now it's you know the the, the sometimes the the ice is bad, and um, you know just angles and all that. It, it's a pretty tough one that, to decide maybe a game on uh, you know a puck over the glass. But uh, I think the uh, the offside rule has to get uh, cleaned up because you know I think you know puck has to be over the blue and skate has to be behind the blue and all this stuff i think it could be really cleaned up uh, uh more so these offside challenges are, are not uh, as prevalent in the game let's have fun with this uh, blues player poll and jacks i was talking to you before the podcast and obviously you have a handle on the current group of guys uh, but they had some fun answering these uh, questions if you haven't seen the story it's up at theathletic.com right now i, I talked to about 20 of the current players and uh, ask them 10 questions. Some of the questions, uh, who's the best dresser, who uses the most hair product. Uh, but I thought that if we threw some of these topics out, maybe it would, uh, you know, uh, get you thinking about some of the teammates you've had in the past and maybe some stories uh, you can recall from uh, being in that locker room so long. Uh, but first, uh, who is the best dressed? Uh, as far as I know, watching the Blues locker room over the years, it was Patrick Berglund. Do you have anybody that tops Bergie? No, Berkey, uh, he, he took a lot of pride in his uh, his clothes, and uh, you know he'd always wear something just to see if he could get a, a response and uh, and all that. So, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, Berkey was was the guy that uh, you know looked the best and probably spent the most money on his clothes as well. The winner in that category was uh, Carl Gunnarsson. The Swedes always dress the best. I can uh, attest to that. And uh, three or four players picked Carl Gunnarsson, so he takes it there. Uh, who's always late? Uh, Jax, you got to have some good stories about people coming in last second all the time. Yeah, well, he, he kind of, you know, back to Bergy again. Uh, you know, he, <laughs> uh, the one time he he missed uh, missed the practice and uh, uh, or was late for a practice, and uh, I think he was about four hours early for every other uh, event after that. So he learned real quick. But uh, there's always some guys that maybe uh, you know you oversleep or uh, you just kind of get stuck in traffic or whatever. Uh, I think Perron actually after. Uh, 
Christmas break, I think he had a tough time uh, getting to the airport and uh, uh, was late coming back after the uh, the break. So I think that was kind of one of the biggest ones that uh, he went home for two days and uh, he didn't really uh, anticipate the weather and uh, got uh, got stuck in in uh, Montreal. This one ended up in a tie, and these guys uh, live together. Vince Dunn and, and Sammy Blade, David Perron said, we're going to have to get these guys an alarm clock. So a guy, uh, Perron, who was late uh, before getting back to town, uh, he, he's putting uh, Vince Dunn and Sammy Blade on the spot here. So that one is a tie. Who uses the most uh, hair product? Well, it's not you or me, right? <laughs> Definitely not me, no. No, but, uh, you know, I think uh, Ryan Johnson was the guy with the, with the flow and uh, always took a lot of pride in his, uh, his hair. But, uh, you know, I heard uh, read in your article there that, uh, uh, that O'Reilly was using Vaseline uh, in his hair. So that was, uh, that was a new one for me to, to hear that type of uh, product being used. Is that crazy? it's uh yeah it's it's definitely something i haven't heard but uh you know luckily i don't have any hair and i don't have to worry about that yeah and Perron says uh, o'reilly does a pretty good job of tucking his ponytail back behind his uh his shirt (laughs) (laughs) who is the most vocal in uh, the locker room i'm sure you had your share of guys who a just ran their mouths to be talking uh guys who really had some good things to say or guys who were probably pretty quiet and uh were showed their leadership in, in other ways who were some vocal guys in your day uh, i think the beginning of my career was uh a guy like uh you know pronger and uh Mallenby were uh were very vocal and and a lot of times i said something that was uh you know it, it was really kind of taken to heart and uh but the most vocal as a uh, as noise was uh, uh, when we had uh, Ryan Reeves, B.J. Crombie, and Ty uh, Ty Conklin all in the same room together, and it was just a nonstop, just a carve fest, and it didn't matter what they were doing; they were just all over each other, and uh, it was uh, it was entertaining for probably about ninety five percent of the time, and sometimes you just want to tell them to shut up. But uh, <laughs> they were uh, they were guys that held the uh, room together and and made everybody uh, have a good time. So it was fun to see those guys just go at each other every day. It didn't matter if it was uh, you know the way that they tied their skates or played soccer or uh, you know just walked through the room or, or what they were wearing. It was uh, it was a nonstop uh, uh, entertaining uh, uh, time with those three. Well, I thought this winner was going to be uh, David Braun because he got the first three or four votes. But most guys were saying that he just talks to me talking. Uh, Jake Allen calling him a, a goofball. Uh, Perron said that he just tries to get everybody going, get the energy up in the room. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, talking structurally or getting things done, uh, Jay Bomeister, they said he doesn't talk much. But when he does, you definitely want to listen. Uh, Alexander Steen, uh, your good buddy, says a lot of good things. And Alex Petrangelo could have went to any of those three guys really uh, but we gave it to the captain uh, Alex Petrangelo so he is uh, the most vocal and challenging in the locker room uh, at the intermissions and the post game moving on here who hopes to get noticed and ask for an autograph this was hands down you can probably guess it Jax where's what David number Perron yes he, uh, <laughs> number 57 yeah. <laughs> he loves himself. He's he's one of those guys that skates <laughs> around and makes sure uh, he looks in the uh, in the glass to to see if uh, you know he's looking good and see if there's any uh, signs that uh, he could point out to the guys uh, when he gets in the room. <laughs> one of uh, one of the best comments in the article was uh, Vince Dunn saying uh, David Perron had a pretty good All Star campaign for himself. 
<laughs> yeah, I saw the billboards that he put up uh, along uh, 44 uh, uh, in town here. But, uh, yeah, Perron, uh, he, he loves the game. He loves uh, self-promotion, and, uh, you know, he's not afraid to, you know, throw out his stats on Twitter uh, every once in a while, too. <laughs> Who gets the most time in the weight room? Everybody said that Jay Bowmeister lives in that weight room. And I realize, you know, getting up there in age a little bit, uh, he has to. And he says it's just part of his routine. But this guy's been doing it since, uh, you know, he put the skates on. Yeah, he was amazing, uh, you know, riding the bike for an hour and a half before a practice. And, uh, you know, Steiner was another guy that uh, he'd be on the bike for 30 minutes before a hard practice. And then he'd be back on the, uh, on the bike after. So uh, those two guys... Uh, you know, old, wise, and, and are just, uh, you know, very in tune with their bodies and, and are always in uh, peak condition. And uh, who was it in, in your career? Obviously, uh, you played a little bit with uh, Bo there. Yeah, Bo, you know, I was very impressed with him. Uh, guys like, uh, you know, Al McInnes was, uh, was just a pillar of, uh, of fitness and yeah, you, know, you come in and he was always, uh, you know, the top guy in the fitness testing every year and uh, uh, really led by example and, and uh, really brought me under his wing and, and where to work out, who to work out with and, and things to do to keep your body in tune and, and uh, you know, play at an elite level. So uh, Al McKenna's was definitely and he still looks like uh, he could probably play the game. He does. He does. We had a lot of fun with these categories. Just a couple more. Uh, who probably wears their Stanley Cup ring uh, the most? Had a vote for uh, Braden Shan. Had a vote for uh, Tyler Bozak. But once again, number 57 runs away with it. Oh, yeah. Perron, yeah. He probably walking around with his uh, his ring on and his, his hand over his face so everybody could see it. And uh, I'm sure he probably sleeps with it on. But I don't blame him. If I had uh, Stanley Cup ring, I think I'd be, uh, you know, be wearing it. And uh, I'm very proud of it. So uh, this isn't a fault of Perron for, uh, for once. Yeah, I can't blame him on that one. Uh, who watches the most video? We said that Alexander Steen could have won uh, the most vocal earlier, uh, but as you would expect from a veteran guy who uh, just knows the game inside and out, has been around it his entire career, he's a guy who would lean on video. And when I talked to his teammates, Jax, uh, they all said Alexander Steen. Yeah, Steener's a guy that uh, uh, he's just so smart and he sees little things and, and he wants to help other people. So it you know, it'll be him watching, uh, you know, stuff on himself, but uh, on his line and, and different guys in the team, and, and he'll help out different guys. And, uh, you know, he's just a smart, uh, you know, unbelievable presence and, and, and a leader, and, and that's why uh, uh, he gets this in a uh, very complimentary uh, way. Jax, uh, I asked the question, who had the most adult beverages at the Stanley Cup Parade? And this is the one category where I think everybody I talked to said, probably me, <laughs> probably me. <laughs> everybody said uh, myself and Carl Gunnarsson, a uh, funny line. He says, well, next to Brett, <laughs> I'll probably go with, with Sonny. So Holly had his share for sure. But this one, uh, we're keeping with uh, the current players. Uh, Oscar Sundquist got a lot of votes. Pat Maroon, big rig, got a lot of votes, but he's no longer with the team. So the award had to go to the guy who could not hold in his adult beverages. I think they were uh, wound up on the float was Zach Sanford. Yeah. Um, you know what? You don't, again, you don't blame these guys for, uh, for any of this. They were celebrating, having a good old time. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, a guy that wasn't on the team, Cam Jansen, also uh, had uh, – had a, uh, his share and uh, w was on a level of uh, Holly probably. 
And who avoids paying the bill at a restaurant? You probably went through your share of that. Jordan Cairo got a vote, but he said, hey, I haven't been here long enough to you know, get that title yet. Uh, Petro got a couple votes, including one from David Perron. And Petrangelo said, Perry's an idiot. I buy him dinner all the time. Uh, the winner goes to Jaden Schwartz, although he disagreed with this, Jax. He said, you got to be kidding me. We did that credit card roulette twice on the golf tournament uh, this past summer. 16 guys and I got hit twice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? He's overpaid, so he should be uh, buying every meal. But I'm just kidding. He's uh, uh, he's a great kid, <laughs> and uh, anytime you can give uh, Schwartzy shit, you do. But uh, you know, I, I I'd say Petro and uh, David Backus together. I think those were the guys that uh, you know should have been picking up the tab all the time, and they were uh, <laughs> definitely some alligator arms. And and they heard about that when uh, when we played together. Did you pick up your share? Oh yeah, all the time. I, uh, <laughs> Did you? I had all the team parties, and uh, boys never uh, spent a dime when they're around me. So uh, probably to a fault now. Uh, you know, I'm gonna, gonna be asking for uh, you know some more jobs doing podcasts. To, you know, <laughs> I was gonna say, I was wondering why you uh, agreed to do the podcast. It's because you paid for too many meals over your career. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, yeah, well, you gotta keep the uh, the fridge stocked in case uh, you know we got Butsy coming in tomorrow for uh, for the alumni. So you gotta make sure it's stocked for him. Good stuff, good stuff. We hope uh, people had fun reading the polls the past couple days and hearing Jax's thoughts on them. Tomorrow, you get a chance to hear Blues GM Doug Armstrong. He's going to be the guest of Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun on their two-man advantage uh, podcast. Always a must-listen and will be definitely this week uh, for Blues fans with Doug Armstrong making an appearance. This was episode number 32 of We Went Blues with Barrett Jackman and myself, Jeremy Rutherford. Please remember uh, to rate and subscribe We Went Blues on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com forward slash We Went Blues, you'll get 40% off your subscription and you'll get to hear a bonus subscriber-only episode of We Went Blues each week. That's usually on Friday where you will get to hear more from the guy who is doing a podcast because uh, he paid for too many dinners along the way. Well, thanks, Jax. Have fun with everything this week at the All-Star Game. Uh, St. Louis is going to be in the spotlight, and it sure should be some fun. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a blast. I'm uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, excited, a little nervous about the alumni game, but uh, <laughs> we'll have fun with it. Thanks, Jax. Hey, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.